Next, ReachMD presents this month's special series, Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science. As increasing evidence points to nutrition as a key factor in disease prevention and management, we're highlighting current topics, research, and best practices in the field. Eating well and eating healthy are the same thing, according to Dr. Tim Harlan. We often tell our patients what not to eat, but how do we tell them what they can eat? Welcome to a special series focused on nutrition. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Lushars. You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. And joining me today is Dr. Tim Harlan himself, also known as Dr. Gourmet. Dr. Harlan practices medicine daily in New Orleans. He's an internist and he's currently the medical director at Tulane University School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Tim. Great to be with you, Mary. So how did you become Dr. Gourmet? Well, it's one of those long, convoluted stories. I suppose I started washing dishes when I was 11. I grew up in the restaurant business. It's really all I knew how to do and all I really wanted to do. When I finished high school, I went back to the restaurant business, bussing tables, waiting tables. I ended up in the kitchen, started cooking, began managing restaurants, became a chef manager, and then a chef owner of a small little French bistro when I was 22. I ran that bistro for about three years, somewhat successfully. I didn't, you know, as a lot of people do, I didn't lose my shirt, as it were, in the uh, restaurant business. But I closed to go back to college. I'd never been to college. And I went to get a hotel and restaurant management degree. Kind of took a wrong turn or maybe a right turn and ended up in medical school. So I was a chef before I became a physician, and you know one of the things that I found when I got to medical school is I changed a lot when I decided to be healthier. I uh, changed a lot of the ways that I ate and that I did recipes. And this was back in the 80s. I don't think you know clearly we didn't have the same level of information or good quality research that we have today about what really works. But I was changing my diet. I was changing recipes, and I noticed at the time when I was in medical school that. There just wasn't a lot of information. And in America back then, that was a time when there was no such thing as a nutrition facts box on food labels. I mean, it was a real challenge for people to think about how they would eat healthier. So I wrote my first book in medical school, a book called It's Hartly Fair. It's still in print today. In fact, I spent this morning doing some editing on the next edition. Patient education materials, how to translate the research into practical day-to-day life for patients. I'm just going to take you back a step and ask how you think the job of being a chef compares to that of being a doctor, if at all. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. I have a friend of mine who is a behavioral psychologist, and he actually does research in both emergency rooms and in restaurant kitchens. And he actually says that they're very, very similar professions. You know, there's always a little bit of a sense of urgency. People come into the restaurant or come into your clinic. They feel bad sometimes. They want to feel better. I think that there's a tremendous similarity between the professions. Uh, It is a service business. You know, both of them are service industries. You know, the thing I love about being a physician, and especially I love about embracing, you know, both food and medicine is that it's given me the opportunity to really learn. And, you know, I think most physicians, that's one of the things that we like about our jobs is that it's always evolving. We're always trying to get better. We're always trying to improve. I think sometimes that can be a challenge for our patients because, you know, we have to say to them what we knew five years ago (laughs) might not apply today, but that's part of the joy of being a physician. And I think that chefs, especially in the last 30 years, you know, being a chef has come light years. Food has come light years in, in America and in the world. What's available to us, the 
quality of food, recipes, etc. So I think they're very similar professions. Do you think there are more celebrity chefs in the world or celebrity doctors? I think there's probably more celebrity chefs in the world and some really, really great ones, some fantastic personalities. Now, you talk about growing up in the restaurant business and that fueling your interest in nutrition, but what about at home? How much did you learn from your parents about how to prepare food and how to eat healthily? Some. My mom's a pretty good cook. I grew up in the South. My mom's from Texas, and my dad was really the gourmet, if you will. So, I learned to cook pretty young, partly out of self-defense. My mom went back to college. I was the fifth of five kids, and she went back to college herself when I was about eight and was pretty busy. She went back to take a doctorate in psychology. And, you know, times were a little different then. I was what today might be called a latchkey kid. I'd come home in the afternoon after school, do my homework. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So there weren't many snacks. There weren't many things that, you know, a lot of my friends might have had. But I could use basic ingredients. So I could use all the potatoes that I wanted. I could use all the sugar that I wanted. And I could cook. And at nine, I knew how to make taffy. I've had this kind of passion for food that predated even going into the restaurant business. What are the nutrition tips that you take from that experience, I guess, and that you give to your patients? The thing that Dr. Gourmet has evolved to over the course of the last 20 years or so that I've been writing about diet, nutrition, food, medicine, is that you have to absolutely cook yourself. You need to spend time finding some simple recipes that you love. We have dozens and we have hundreds on the Dr. Gourmet website, but you don't need to, you know, it's not just Dr. Gourmet. All you have to do is type in healthy macaroni and cheese, and there are thousands of recipes that'll come up on Google. Find those recipes that you know and love, learn to cook them, get the fresh ingredients in-house, and start cooking your own food. And I think that that's what takes me back to when I was 8, 9, 10, 11, And doing some of that cooking for myself and helping out my mom and doing some cooking for the family while she was working on her dissertation is that you don't have to open a can to have a really terrific, simple meal. You can keep great things in-house, on your pantry shelves, in your refrigerator, in your freezer. And cooking fresh yourself is the number one key. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. This is a special series focused on nutrition. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Lushars, and today I'm talking to Dr. Tim Harlan, who's also known as Dr. Gourmet, and we're talking about how to teach our patients to eat healthily. Dr. Harlan, how much of your, the information that your patients obtain, do you think, is from the internet versus you or their healthcare provider? Well, you know, it's a challenge, I think, these days. Our diabetics certainly have more available to them than our day-to-day patients. You know, there's just not a lot of provision or there's not been a lot of provision in the past with carriers reimbursing for nutrition education. And, you know, certainly physicians, internists, family practitioners, pediatricians, I think we're all really challenged. Cardiologists even were very challenged on the front lines as physicians to have the time to spend with patients. So, you know, I do think that many people are getting their information from oftentimes not the most reliable of sources. And one of the reasons that I created Dr. Gourmet Online at drgourmet.com was just that. I wanted to create an evidence-based diet and nutrition site that any of my colleagues would be happy to send their patients to. Not about kooky fad diets, not about low carb or low fat, or this is Mediterranean style diet translated for the American public. So I do think that today most people are getting their information online 
There's some available on television, but we, I believe, as physicians and as medical professionals, aren't doing the job that we could be doing. And that's not necessarily a criticism. It's just very challenging today just to take care of our patients on a day-to-day basis. To spend that time intervening in their lifestyle is even more challenging. Well, that was my next question. I mean, how does a busy clinician find time to you know, tweet and blog and write books and still focus on patient care? For me personally, I, d- I don't have children. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think that if I had children, it would be very difficult. And it is challenging for me. I write a lot. I work on the website. I do interviews like this. I do lectures as well as have clinic time and administrative time. I think this is very important. This is a very, very important topic. I know that I can get and our patients can get as much benefit out of changing their diet as they can from taking simvastatin. And so when you begin comparing diet, exercise, lifestyle change to pharmaceuticals and you find the power that it can have, you know, that's just a great mission. Now, how can I do it? I do have a great team supporting me. I've got fantastic webmaster. We have developers who work on our software. We have terrific software on the website that lets people create two-week menu plans, complete with shopping lists, etc. So, you know, I don't have to worry about the nuts and bolts of it. I'm left to be creative, to create recipes, to write, etc. So I've just got a great team. What do you think the future holds for clinicians communicating you know, health messages, particularly those about diet and nutrition, to their patients? It's a really exciting question for me. I work with some researchers here at Tulane at the Freeman School of Business, some consumer behavior researchers, some very neat people, Mita Sujan, Harish Sujan. And we've been working on just some of those very topics. How can we as clinicians better create messages for our patients? And we're working on actually trying to tailor some of those messages. So, for instance, one of our lines of research right now is that patients, that we all have a different level of what's called consideration of future consequences, i.e., are we future-oriented? Do we live for the future, or are we very present-oriented? And a good example of that would be the smoker who says, well, you know, I don't need to bother to quit. I'm going to die some way. They're very present-oriented versus the fellow who's a smoker who says, I'm going to work at quitting because I want to live longer. We're working on some of those same topics in how we as physicians can communicate with our patients. As physicians, we are very future-oriented. You know, you don't get all the way through medical school and residency and internship without some degree of very high level of consideration of future consequences. And that high CFC, I think, sometimes doesn't translate as well when we're talking to our patients who might be more present-oriented. So that's one line that we're working on And there's a lot of folks working on these areas of research right now, both in consumer behavior, health behaviors, public health. How can we work with our patients one-on-one to tailor the message? And, you know, if we can do that, if we can identify the best message to give a particular patient, we're going to enhance that very limited time that a physician, family practitioner, internist, nurse practitioner, any sort of uh, healthcare provider has. We just, you know, we don't have a lot of time. In terms of the mode of that delivery, is it going to be something that pops up on a handheld device for the patient, do you think? More and more, I'm hoping so. I'm seeing a lot of that. My belief is we're in the process of installing an electronic medical record here at Tulane. It's one of the projects as medical director that I'm responsible for, and everyone is nationwide. I think the initiative is challenging for physicians, but I do have a belief that that could be in many ways the cotton gin of our generation. 
you know, to have the power of an electronic medical record and that interoperability and that interaction with a patient where, you know, it's challenging for us as physicians to be able to retrieve information. You know, if your patient's been in an emergency room, say, in San Diego, how do you get that information that's critical? I think once those pieces are in place, over, especially over the course of the next five years, we're going to see a lot of enhancements where it will pop up on the screen and say, do you want to send your patient a secure email with information about how to log in to Dr. Gourmet or to some other health-related website that would give them instruction, videos, interactive tutorials, quizzes. So I do see that happening, and I do see that coming down the pike, and, and extremely excited about it. What do you think the most common food myth is that you hear from your patients? The most common food myth that I hear is low-carb diets are healthy and low-fat diets are healthy. I think that the physicians, some rightly and some wrongly, some based on the sound research at the time, said that low-fat diets were healthy and some who said that low-carbohydrate diets were healthy. We now know that that's not really the case, that this is about a really terrific balance. It's about thinking about food. It's easy, I think, for patients to want to focus on one thing, you know, that they can process easily. Don't eat carbohydrates, eat low-fat, but almost always they end up replacing those carbohydrates with something else. And when it comes to an issue of weight loss, we know that it's about calories. Calories in versus calories out. Every piece of research in the last three or four years, and there's been a lot of great research comparing, you know, kooky fad diets like Atkins and South Beach and all of those types of diets, comparing them head to head. And, you know, pretty much everybody loses weight at the same rate. Pretty much their blood sugars get better. Pretty much their lipid profiles improve because they're eating fewer calories. The biggest myth is that you can focus on that one thing, low-fat, low-carb. And, again, one of the things that we do know is that you can lose weight and improve metabolic syndrome, improve blood pressure, diabetes, et cetera, with Mediterranean-style diet and eat a lot better than you would if you were following a truly low-fat or truly low-carb diet. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Harlan. Absolutely. It was great. I really appreciate it. This is so much fun. You've been listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals, and this has been a special series focused on nutrition. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Lushars. We welcome your comments and suggestions at ReachMD.com. Thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science. For downloadable podcasts of programs in this series, go to ReachMD.com and choose the series, Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science.